What's up, everybody? Hello and welcome to episode number 158 of the VK Bros on a beautiful Friday morning on the Gold Coast. Uh, afternoon. Oh, it's afternoon again. Jeez. Going well. Going well. Uh, obviously, it's, it's still supposed to be winter on the Gold Coast, but as we are experiencing the time of global boiling, uh, it's a beautiful, what is it, like 24 degrees outside? And It must be like that. I was watching, and I was watching a podcast with some Americans, and they're all rugged up. Yeah, right. There you go. It's, it's climate change, mate. It's the... Uh, that's what's happening. So, all right, we've got a bit of stuff to get into today. Uh, it's going to be a bit of a quicker show today because uh, I've experienced some tech difficulties this morning. Uh, so we're going to have to sort of shoot through some things. But a couple of things that are going on. just want to give a quick shout out to Dr. Melissa McCann, who is running the COVID vaccine class action. I posted up a link to her Rumble video where she actually details the entire court case. Uh, so all of their allegations complete with uh, evidence, which is both in the forms of um, documentation that we've spoken about on the podcast, mm. uh, documents that we haven't, things have only been obtained under freedom of information, um, and even things like news snippets and stuff where the the, the um, defendants, which is like Dr. Brendan Murphy, uh, Professor John Skerritt, and also the Australian government, have said things in the media, uh, which they're now sort of walking back. So It is one of the best pieces of content on this whole thing I've seen. It's She's yeah. doing amazing work. Yeah, absolutely agree. If you were going to show anyone who is still a blue pillar non-believer... Uh, the, all the problems that you had during the last three years with the vaccine rollout, or two years, I guess, with the vaccine rollout, more specifically. That is a video I'd show people. It's 27 minutes long. We were considering watching it on the show, but it's just too long. I just think you d it just speaks for itself. So I really do think that you guys should go. Uh, if you go to our Instagram page, the link is in our bio on the Instagram page. Whilst you're there, you've got uh, until the 20th of August to have your say on the uh, government's mis- and disinformation bill. You can still make a submission because they extended it until the 20th of August. So while you're there, click that link, have your say, tell the government that censorship is never okay because the people who are trying to hide information in history have never turned out to be the good guys. Uh, and finally, as far as that COVID class action goes, they are actually crowdfunding that lawsuit. I've got the link up there for their um, donations page. They do need, at the time that I looked at it last, they needed about $400,000 to continue the lawsuit on. Um, the reason why they're crowdfunding is because normally when you're doing a case like this for victims, you've got two different options. The first one being going through a no-win, no-fee uh, law firm. The problem with those is that if the law firm does win, they do take the lion's share of the compensation, so the victims end up losing out. Uh, the other way you can go is to get the lawsuit funded by there's investment firms that fund these lawsuits based on how likely they are to win, and same problem, they end up taking the lion's share of the compensation as profit uh, when they, uh, if, if the lawsuit is successful. So the biggest thing about it though is Number one, I think this is the most important court case in regards to COVID in this country so far, so we should support it. Number two, we should absolutely support it to support the victims of these vaccine injuries, because that's really what this is about. Um, but number three, uh, if they are successful, all donations will actually be returned to you anyway. Yeah. So they're going to take that out of the uh, out of the winnings, or the compensation. I can't system. see how they 
can lose this case. If you watch the the video, you'll see what Alex is saying. Like yeah. it, it should be as about as open and shut as it gets. It the only really... thing, anything that could be a problem is if, like the very first, the very early court cases that we saw where they got to judgment and the judge is like, "I'm not a scientist, so." We can't debate science here. Yeah, Kasim versus Hazard that we covered on the show, which was the first big lawsuit against mandates brought by AFL solicitors. Um, they, yeah, the judge basically said, well, I, I'm not a scientist, so I can't judge on whether or not the vaccines work or not or are dangerous or not. So they just sided with the government's experts because they deemed them at a higher um, level than the, the plaintiff's ex- experts. So I don't think that you can... There's no legs to stand on that. And one of the biggest points out of that case is just the very simple fact that the provisional approval of the COVID vaccines was granted uh, on the basis of preventing COVID-19 infection. Like, that's the whole basis of the provisional approval. Now, bit of a plot twist too... um, did you know that the COVID, uh, the Pfizer COVID vaccine just got full registration yeah. last month? Yeah, 17th of last month. Yeah, no no press release about that. But the, the TGA no. just went and gave it full approval last month. And knowing that no one's picking it up, they'll just ram it into the childhood ones or, or they'll wrap it up with the flu vax. Yeah, look, well, it'll and be... And re- Palaszczuk will give it away for free. Yeah, yeah, great news. It's all free, guys. But yeah. that's that's the crazy thing, right? That's the the level of of care that our TGA is giving is they they provisionally approved a vaccine based on it stopping infection, then it didn't stop the infection. So the as the um, that Senate hearing I listened to the other day, all the manufacturers say is, oh yeah, no, it used to work, but then the virus mutated, so that's mm. their excuse. So in other mm. words, we know that the virus, the sorry, the vaccine formulations as it stands will not stop infection because the virus has mutated again. Therefore, yep. it shouldn't be approved for that indication. But no, the TGA has just gone and given it full approval anyway. So, Well, I, I want to bring this up. This kind of... I, I didn't mention this to you before, but something I've noticed this week. Almost every day on Sunrise, there has been essentially a native ad hmm. about some form of rapid weight loss drug. Like yeah, Ozempic. like Ozempic. Yeah. Yeah. And... It's illegal in Australia to advertise pharmaceuticals, mm-hmm. but what I've what I'm sensing they do is they publicise the studies, the brands in the background. Mm. Oh, we're publicising this study. You know, like it's almost like a preview to a movie. The movie doesn't come out for two years. Yeah, but let's yeah. smash let's smash the preview to get everyone warmed up for it. Mm-hmm. So when they see it, there's that that correlation. Yeah. And I was talking to the guys at the gym about it because there's a bit of debate around whether those things are good or not. Now, my feel, feelings, not facts, my my feeling is, sorry, no, no, no. Their, their point of view is if it helps someone drop some weight to then convince them to, re, to reassess what their options are in life and take a healthier pathway... Yeah. Then that's probably an overall good, right? That's the basis that they came from, and I can mm-hmm. kind of understand that. Mm-hmm. Now, my feeling towards that point is: Are you not now incentivizing the shortcuts in weight loss? Mm-hmm. Now, his argument to that was: Well, if they weren't going to do it anyway, then you're 
then you're in the same place. So yeah. it's like a, all right, and I'll cop that, okay? Mm-hmm. But then I also went and said, well, what are the what are the uh, side effects of it? Oh, they have to list all the side effects. And so one of the side effects on, on Ozempic is suicidal thoughts. Yeah. And what I said, I said, where my concern is, is that these studies aren't designed to exhaust the effects of the side effects after the thing. So what does that mean? What I'm saying is, if they think, and I think this is what they're quoting, that in an obese cohort, they had a 20% reduction in heart disease because of obesity, right? Which makes sense. Mm -hmm. People lose a bunch of weight, less stress on on the heart, the heart's going to survive longer. Okay, that makes sense to me. However, our, what what studies or what are we looking at in the uh, what other symptoms are we looking at, and what if those things kill more people yeah. than the twenty percent saved? Then that's a net negative. Which now, was... we don't know what it is because, yeah. like the COVID proof, we never looked. Because it's, why would you why would you do a study that's going to stop your product from being selling? Well, that was the big point I made last week about that uh, COVID vaccine information session I watched. Moderna, in their uh, opening statement, stated that uh, va- COVID vaccination around the world has saved an estimated twenty million lives. Mm. And then further on in the questioning, they were asked, "Okay, what is the adverse uh, reaction rate?" Yeah. for Moderna we don't know so how can you make that claim that you save 20 million people when you have no idea what your adverse reaction rate is so you don't know how many people you've actually killed the the even worse thing for Ozempic is Ozempic's not approved for weight loss it's not a weight loss yeah. drug but that's all anyone's talking about isn't it yeah like uh, Ozempic is but then they're doing the scarcity thing so they're going oh so like he even he mentioned it he, yeah. he fell for it which is Odd. The biggest problem now is that the guys with diabetes that can't get their hands on it. It's that yeah. scarcity trick. Yeah, yeah. That's what that's what they did with COVID as well. Go down and get it. Like, like, but oh, there's, there's a shortage of it. But also, don't you find it to interesting too? How it's like. So the the people with diabetes may not be able to get access to the Ozempic, which is the thing that that drug's been approved to treat, because people who are essentially getting it prescribed off label by doctors for weight loss are taking the lion's share. Now, this is like a $1,300 a month medicine as well. It's not cheap. Um, When you then juxtapose that against COVID and you looked at certain other drugs which were prescribed off-label to treat COVID, i.e. ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine, and what did our TGA do to those drugs and to the doctors who tried to prescribe those off-labels? Oh, that's right. They banned it. No, only if Joe Rogan came out and said it. Then Then they banned it. Yeah, yeah. Well, he that's where they got the uh that's where those drugs got too much press from, which was a problem mm. for for them. But yeah, it's wild. And and your that conversation that you have at the gym, I think that's a really good one um to just get a bit of a general feel on on these things and how how people take these things. Mm. Because they're looking for all the reasons like based on the best case scenario they're they're trying to apply what like good natured people would do in these situations and and it's that's admirable you know they're like if it can help someone then that's a net good 
Hmm. Like that that is sort of admirable. But the problem is that's how people get manipulated all the time. And yeah. that's why they do these native ads on TV. Because they do know that it works and then you'll have the conversation around the cooler. And yeah, like the, that's what allows the pharmaceutical industrial complex to continue rolling because, you know, we just accept it. Like at the end of the day, the only thing people are talking about is MPIC-4 is weight loss and that's not what it's approved to do. Yeah. And they're also but not talking about is MPIC face too, which makes what it look I find like interesting. an crackhead because it's pretty much got speed in it. Yeah, what I find what I find interesting is that whenever they speak to these experts about it, they they ask the same question all the time: Is this the silver bullet? Yeah, and they always this is where the terms and conditions comes in. It's always three quarters of the way through the mm. interview. Oh no! Obviously, we all know that a healthy diet and exercise is the best thing to do. Yeah. But buy the product. <laughs> buy the easy way. But if you can't do those makes the things, fat go away. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you, what you're saying is right. What are the long-term side effects of a drug that's just been approved? We don't know. Yeah. Um, you're, you're better at remembering the numbers than me, but going to the COVID vaccine, are mm. we now in the scenario where... What was the number? Is it 176 vaccines stop one case of COVID or death of COVID? Uh, it was, no. From the numbers that I can remember off the top of my head, it was something in the vicinity of, and again, it depends on what cohort you're speaking about. Because I I remember the like child one was like somewhere in the vicinity of 22,000 people you need to vaccinate to prevent one hospitalization. Yeah, so I must be thinking of the worst cohort. Yeah, I yeah, heard maybe. a number that I remember might... like 178 vaccines to stop, and I just couldn't remember if it's to stop a case of COVID or it's to stop a death from COVID. Yeah, you might you might be thinking yeah, elderly or frail or something like that, but I don't. Yeah. Well, and then and then Not juxtapose sure. that against we're now looking at a one in thirty five that uh, one in thirty five jabs is causing. Uh, an adverse event. Well, it's causing heart damage specifically. So well, that heart damage runs even more. The heart damage is in everyone because no. we know from the we know from the the Swiss study mm-hmm. that everyone had the elevated troponins. The only reason why it didn't damage them is because they're told not to exercise. So we know well, that elevated... it elevated everyone. So no, no. So it was one in thirty-five people had elevated troponins because elevated troponins are a marker of heart damage. I thought I swear that study was everyone had it, and the no. only reason why no one got injured was because they were told not to work out. No, 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 no. It was one in thirty-five people because yeah, elevated troponins is what they test for when they think someone may have had a heart attack because it indicates the um, heart damage. So it was one in thirty-five. We people. might have to check. Oh, no, I, I, I remember. Like and I, I've looked at this stuff again recently. Um, yeah, it was one in 35 people. Are you talking about the Swiss study that was done? With the 700 the... healthcare workers with a median yeah. age of 37? Yeah. Okay. So okay. it was one in 30... Uh, and this was specifically Moderna booster shot. So there were yeah. 700 and something people in the study. And out of the study, with a, yeah, a median age of 37 years old, one in 35 of them showed elevated troponin levels, which, was, which is an indicator of heart damage. But this is the but, thing. Like, what are we saying the adverse event rate was? Well, uh, well a, a serious adverse event, because uh, that, that was a different study, wasn't it? And I think yeah, yeah. 
Because so this is the thing I was just about to say. Because I can't remember the exact number off the top of my head. But what I was about to say is, remember we've spoken before about what the mechanism is that we think is what's causing the um, the heart damage, and it's down to your potluck of when you get injected, where in your body these lipid nanoparticles travel to, and therefore mm-hmm. which cells get encoded by the mRNA to create spike protein and then i believe it's an autoimmune condition where your immune system goes we need to take out the spike protein but there's also these cells here now that are creating this pathogen we need to kill them too now if that happens to be your heart muscle your immune system is going to attack your heart muscle that's going to give you that elevated troponin and the heart damage so whilst one in 35 people showed elevated troponins the rest of the 34 people may have had damage elsewhere in their system, like in other organs and those sorts of things. And that's one of the questions that uh, Jared Rennick was asking, I think it was, well, Pfizer and Moderna in that session. They were like, so he asked, why does the vaccine cause myocarditis? What is the pathway? Like, what is the mechanism? And they couldn't- Can I do an impersonation? Sure. So ask ask me the question and I'll be be the Pfizer representative. does Pfizer know why their vaccine causes myo and pericarditis? As we've said, the vaccines show great eff- efficacy and go through extremely safe measures by your government's regulatory body. The funny thing is that you look like the guy too. <laughs> Because Alex has a bit of an ambiguous uh, ethnicity. Racially ambiguous. Yeah, yeah. So he can fit in in about just about any group. I'm led when I need to be led, man. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But yeah, you're you're exactly right. Uh, They just blamed the government's regulators. Um, But I wanted to send it to... The the, the reason why I said the Ozempic thing is because I've been talking to the guys at the gym. I'm really... I guess COVID has definitely made me hyper aware of like how the medical system works. Mm. And seeing now that we're reclassifying overeating, we're calling that a disease. And when yeah. I mention that, I'll mention that the insanity of that. That's crazy. Imagine telling an Ethiopian that in the West, the biggest killer is overeating, right? Yeah. How crazy. And then, and then just to go and say, oh, well, and they defended it. Yeah, it is a disease. It's a, That's a disease. It's like an alcoholic is, that, that's a disease. And, but yeah, that, like, unfortunately, I think trainers get infected by that ideology because it works for them. Because but, they, no, but it doesn't work for them because they, no, no, they can't fight against a disease. No, no, it's the best thing in the world because they can, they can tell their obese clients that you have a disease, therefore this is not your fault. I'm just, I'm here to help you manage your disease. So you come and see me, I'll help you manage your disease. But this is not your fault. So you, in other words, you're not like all yeah, of these, I get that. you know, all of these things it. we're relabeling as diseases, like alcoholism to me, that's not a disease. That's a lack of discipline. Obesity yeah. is not a disease. It's a lack of discipline. All this shit comes down to being a lack of discipline. But if we relabel the disease, not only does that give the person who's got no discipline an off-ramp by saying, hey, I've got a disease, it's not my fault, mm. right? But we medicate diseases. That's what we do in the West. Yeah. So when you call something a disease, you create a whole brand new market. How good is that? Well, that's what I thought the whole thing was. And I, I was trying to think, okay, I'll put myself in their, in their shoes. If I was a trainer, how would I sell my services to someone that was considering that pathway yeah and my my early my younger salesperson would do exactly what you just said yeah 
my later salesperson who I feel like I know a lot more. It's the same, same what I do with cars. I don't need to sell the car anymore. If I'm talking to you or you're talking to me, we already know, we've already got the assumption that you're want, you're ready to do something. That's right. Okay? So I would say, hey, look, yeah, Ozempic is going to dump it. It's not going to uh, d- dump weight. It's definitely not the best way to do it. Mm-hmm. And it could be harmful. Um, the way I'm going to do it, it's going to be way harder. I'm telling you, it's going to be the, the hardest thing that you've done. Yep. But it's definitely going to be the most rewarding and it's definitely going to get you the best result in the long term. Dude, and I'll just like just be honest, honest with it. Well, look at us. We were, we were fat as. I was thirty four percent body fat when we started this podcast. Mm. Like when we got our first scans done, and I hadn't had a scan for a while, uh, but I know I'm not thirty four percent body fat anymore. Yeah. I didn't have a disease. I was just eating too much, drinking too yeah. much, not exercising. I was doing the things that I wasn't supposed to be doing, and I did it for a long yeah. period of time. And I know to repair that damage, I have to do the right things as consistently as I can for a long period of time. And that takes discipline. That doesn't take a fucking yeah. pill, or it doesn't take someone to come out. And like I'm telling you right now, there is a real big reason why traditionally I've always hated going to the doctor's even though I was at the doctor's again this morning. And if any of you think that I'm looking like particularly good, it's because I'm on steroids. So doctors, <laughs> doctors gave me steroids this morning. Not, not muscle steroids, like yeah. Adele. It's called, pred, it's called prednisone. Uh, it's because I've had tonsillitis now going on seven weeks. So the only thing that's getting swole on my body at the moment is my throat, basically. Um, but I've always avoided doctors like the plague because the problem is as soon as you get in there and this happens a lot for like older people, they say, oh, you've got elevated cholesterol. Therefore, we need to put you on this drug. And if they, it, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm pretty weak mentally. If I get told that I've got like a, an easy way out on something, even I take it. Like, I, I claim to be a pretty strong guy, but I'll always take an easy way out if I, if I can. Mm. To me, it's just more efficient, right? Um, so I'm, I'm really scared at some point of getting a diagnosis of something like, whether it's cancer or, or whatever down the track, because then that might just be my, my get-off rant where I'm like, oh, well, you know, it's not my fault that I'm overweight or not fit enough or not healthy enough. Um, mm. It's because of the cancer. Like, the cancer got me. I don't, I don't, want, I don't want that. Like, I know, I'm educated enough to know when I got up to 34% body fat, I can look back and I know exactly what I was doing wrong at that point in time. And it wasn't a fucking disease. Yeah. It was me. I got myself there and I'm getting myself out of it. All right, let's move on. With my three-day steroid cycle. (laughs) I I want to talk about some great news that happened this week. Cool. Some great news. One of my business idols, Dave El Presidente Portnoy, Mm -hmm. just pulled off what I think is a masterstroke. I'll let him explain what it is. Cool. Okay, emergency press conference time. Maybe the biggest emergency press conference that we've ever had here at Barstool Sports. Um, Where to start? Penn Entertainment and Barstool Sports have gone our separate ways. As of this moment, while you were watching this video, I have purchased back Barstool Sports from Penn. So that is right. For the first time in a decade, I own 100% of Barstool Sports. Not since the churning deal have I been in total control of everything. Um, Why did it happen? How did it happen? Well, I think Penn, who I have nothing but great things to say. I've said that all the way along with the Penn relationship. I have nothing but the most respect from Jay, his whole team, everything. Uh, We did this deal about three years ago, and I think both parties are like, we're going to take this thing to the moon. And we underestimated just how tough it is 
for myself and Barstool to operate in a regulated world where gambling regulators, the New York Times, Business Insider hit pieces, fucking with the stock price. Every time we did something, it was one step forward, two steps back. We got denied licenses because of me, you name it. So the regulated industry, probably not the best place for Barstool Sports and the type of content we make. Um, Penn was able to broker an unbelievable deal with ESPN. We wish them nothing but the best in their endeavors. It's truly a win-win. I still own a ton of Penn stock. I'll probably hold it because I think it's going to go up. But more importantly, for us, for Barstool, for the first time in forever, we don't have to watch what we say, how we talk, what we do. It's back to the pirate ship. And by the way, I am never going to sell Barcelona Sports, ever. I'll hold it till I die. And when I die, I'll give it to Dan or Kevin, who's ever left standing. Their kids are still alive. They'll get whatever. We will pass it down. This is now going to be a place for content, 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 content. Every time I think I'm out, they pull me back in. That's right. I'm not going anywhere. Barstool Sports, the Pirate Sip, the Cannons, they will plunder from now for the next hundred years. So welcome back. Back in control. Okay. What does this mean? So I'll give you a bit of a snapshot. Barstool's been going for 20 years. Dave Portnoy, the guy that you just heard there, he started it all by himself. Mm -hmm. He wanted to get into gambling. The only way to get into gambling was to have a newspaper. So he started a newspaper. He, he wrote every article within the newspaper under fake names. So he, they, so people thought he was a real newspaper. He would he had a blue van. He used to drive to, you know, you know have those little boxes where they sell the newspapers? Yep. He'd stand next to them and sell them and abuse people as they came and picked up other papers. Right? And then 10 years in, the Chernin Group, I think, gave him $10 million to mm-hmm. buy, I think it was uh, half of it or 20% or 30% or something like that. Then it sort of kicked off and it really became a massive media company, juggernaut. And if, if I had to explain it like this, people who haven't heard of Barstool, if you're only exposed to the absolute top layer of popular TV um, news, you know, from around the world, Barstool caters to everyone else but those yeah. people. So, so they, they're not far left. They're not far right. They're major center. Mm-hmm. They follow all. It's like a. a they follow college football. It, they, it's just normal people just having a great time, and uh, you know Saga from uh, Breaking Points. He talks about like the Barstool um, political. Like he, he calls like the Barstool, Barstool conservatives. People. Barstool conservatives. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So a type of like political movement, which is just like the everyman. Mm-hmm. So in 2020, they sell to Penn. Penn is a massive casino company. And the idea being, Penn wanted Barstool to spruik a sports book, like a gambling company. They've done their ass on it. Like, they've spent a fortune. I think they, I read an article that they lost like 800 million bucks. Now, in saying that, that's probably from stock price at the start of 2020 yeah, yeah, yeah. to stock price now, which is everything, right? Um, now, this is, where, this is where it gets so beautiful. Okay, so... The deal was $550 million in 2020. I don't think they paid that up front. What I think happened was they, they broke that down to $180 million per year up for however many years. We're three years into the deal. They wanted to break the contract so they could do this deal with ESPN. So they're paying ESPN $2 billion for a 10-year deal. 
But for them to get out, they had to deal with Barstool. So they had to get out of the deal. And the way, the, the deal that they negotiated was Dave Portnoy gets to buy 100% of Barstool back for $1. And he got it. He got it. So it is one of the greatest business deals I've ever seen. Now, two, two factors. He's not allowed to, he's got a competition agreement, so he's not allowed to enter into sports betting mm-hmm. for five years. Yep. I wonder if that covers Australia. That's something that I might need to know. And wink, wink. And if he sells, 50% of the proceeds have to go to Penn. Right. That's why he says, I'm never going to give yeah. it up. So <laughs> why would he? He could just run road. it into the ground if he, if he was out. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So he's got, he's got, you know, three or $400 million. Some of it's tied up in Penn stock, I get. But, you know, yeah, $100 million will do. Yeah, he will. And um, and he's got the company. Yeah, he's got the he's got the whole thing. That is the so, greatest trade deal in the history of trade deals ever. The only one, the only one that I think is similar is Kimi Raikkonen when he was racing in Formula One was signed to Ferrari on a forty-five million dollar deal. Ferrari wanted him out, so they paid him his money, let him out of the contract, then got picked up by uh, Renault. I think it was Renault WRC for $54 million who then, and then Ferrari wanted him back again and paid him like another 40 million bucks. In those in three years, he made like $150 million. Jesus. So one man. Yeah, that, that was wild. But this, it's beautiful. I'm a massive Davey P fan. And I'll tell you what I appreciate about him as a business owner. Now you've worked in large corporates, mm-hmm. large corporates. They think they are doing the right thing by their people. But what it's actually turned into over time is the complete opposite. I've been told by people within big corporates, the way to get rid of people is not to sit down and have a conversation and say, hey, it's not working for you. It's not working for me. I want you to be happy. I'm happy to redeploy you in somewhere where where Mm -hmm. you're better off, which is how I would naturally like to do it. I was told by HR to make their life hell. Yeah. So they quit, Mm -hmm. right? That... Those kinds of constraints have have affected Barstool, it be, and, and and it becomes a different thing. Yeah. So now I'm motivated by the fact that I want to run business in a more natural, like family business type of way, mm-hmm. and now inspiration to me that you can have a you know I don't know how many thousand staff that they've, they've got, but you can run it like a family business. Yeah, and all you have. All you have to do is just uh, be very specific in your like terms and conditions of your employment contract. Because like if, the only reason why people don't run large corporates like a family business is because they're scared of being sued or, or whatever. But as long as you have a proper employment contract and a, a clear understanding of what your employees are signing on for, yeah, I, I'm with you. Like it, it, More companies need to be run that way because... The most frustrating thing with anything media is this is what happens. Uh, a new media personality comes along and they revolutionize the industry and they get all these eyeballs and they attract an audience that has never been attracted to that form of X media before. Not not affiliated with mm. Twitter, yeah, but just, yeah. just media, right? And they've never been affiliated with that media before. Uh, really good example, um, Jake Paul and boxing, right? Jake Paul had his fans from YouTube and now he's parlayed all those fans into boxing. Now, to his credit, he's still... And I don't like the guy, 
precursor. Um, I was talking to a friend of mine. Boy. Oh, I don't, I don't care about him beating Nate Diaz. I don't really give a shit. I just, I think him and his brother are kind of like everything that's wrong with influencer culture uh, at this point. Uh, mainly being because they're quite happy to scam their own fans. They will scam yeah, their fans for that money. That sucks. So yeah. fuck those guys, Jake Paul, Logan Paul. Fuck both of you. Athletes though, I respect the athletes. Yeah, yeah. Look, I, I, yeah, I definitely think that they are athletic. I think that if you had access to that kind of money and uh, you know trainers, nutritionists, etc., you could be just as athletic as those guys. Logan um, Paul's wrestling thing is one of the most impressive things I've seen a YouTuber do. Yeah, look, it, it is impressive, absolutely. But um, I was talking to a friend of mine during the week. If if they reached out and said, do you want to be Jake Paul's next opponent in boxing? I would put my hand up to take that money. Probably lose. Not, not like not going to lie. I'm not training. And I'm old compared to him. But for the opportunity to punch that fuckwit in the face, I would do it anyway. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I can't even remember what we're talking about. Oh yeah, sorry, sorry. So what I, what I, what I was saying is the frustrating thing is you get new talent, comes along, revolutionizes the industry, brings new eyeballs... And then the big corporates go, man, we need to leverage that person's audience. We need them in the fold to bring that audience with, in with us. So let's sign them on this massive deal and bring them into the fold. And then they sign them on the massive deal, they bring them into the fold, and then they go, oh, corporate says you can't say that. Oh, corporate yeah, says you can't change the product. Statement. Look, yep. look at guys like um, Jimmy Kimmel. Great example. Jimmy Kimmel used to be host of The Man Show back in the day. Very, um, you know, non-PC show. Yep. And now Jimmy Kimmel's a host of his own late night talk show. And he's fucking lame because he, like, yep. they're so constrained. Plus the fact that everything's written for them. Yeah. Like, we don't have writers. We, we sit here and we'll do an hour just talking out of our bum holes with no writers. Um, yep. I'm pretty sure that, like, all of those shows haven't recorded an episode for months because of the SAG writer strike that's going on yeah, at the moment. So there's, yeah. like, imagine that. Imagine thinking these late-night talk show hosts were so funny, but they can't record a show because they don't have a writing team to write their shit for them. Yeah. Like, it's... Uh, now, that, that, that falls nicely into my next subject, which was cool. I had promised people a celebrity beef. Oh, yeah, above Jake Paul. I'd actually prefer to fight Logan Paul, to be fair. <laughs> well, no, my celebrity beef is about uh, Ben McKenzie. This is Ben McKenzie. Now, for audio listeners, he was the uh, dreamboat from The O.C. He was also right. Jim Gordon on the show Gotham. Mm-hmm. Now, let me start off by saying this. Great actor. He was great in Gordon. I didn't like his character in the OC, but he was I don't think he was supposed to be likable, and so he did it well. Great actor. Very handsome man, right? I'll say that. Mm-hmm. But this motherfucker is writing a book about crypto, and um, now I was going to rip him to shreds, and I, I, I just got bogged down researching other topics. I actually mm-hmm. got on that rabbit hole about the future fund. Oh, yeah. And in the, mean, in the meantime... Uh, young Ben McKenzie has been eviscerated on like TV shows, like nationally syndicated TV shows about his stance on it. So I don't need to do it anymore. And I thought for a moment I was screaming into the ether. I got onto this because Tasha listened to a podcast called on Scam Fluences, and right. he got on there and she made me listen to it, and it infuriated me because he did this trick, a little bit like Sam Harris's technique, right, mm-hmm. of argument where. 
where you go... Do we have to have so, his face up this whole time? His very I just want, punchable face? Okay, so he would say um, Bitcoin uh, Bitcoin is not a currency. No one uses currency. And FTX failed and defrauded um, billions of dollars worth of people. So it's a Ponzi scheme. And it's like, well, hold on. It's more... There's more about it than just that. And he goes, oh, I'm an economics major. I, I, I got a degree in economics. So it doesn't fit this or this or this but is he sure he, he was... didn't just act in a movie where he was an economics major yeah, <laughs> is he sure no, no but he what he would use he would he would throw broad statements on the crypto sphere yep and then uh very targeted accusations things that have been targeted to for example sam bankman fried hmm. who's a scam artist yeah it had nothing to do with crypto that, like he was a scam artist banks have done the same thing yeah C- companies have done the same thing like that, that was flat out fraud right mm-hmm. Now and but he would like he would say like Bitcoin like he'd throw Bitcoin in there mm. and then talk about none of like the good side of it and he's and then it turns out he's written a book about it. so he's oh sorry something I agree with him there's there are some things that I absolutely agree about the crypto market one you shouldn't like like something that I learned is if a celebrity's telling me to do it don't do it. Mm-hmm. Okay, and he's very against you know when Kardashian got done, uh, Larry David, Matt Damon, they all got popped because yep. they ended up selling out effectively. Do you for mean? A scam. Do you mean like when Logan Paul told his fans to invest into CryptoZoo? Yeah, like that. Yeah, 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 that kind of stuff. If anyone so, doesn't realize why I don't like Logan Paul, go on YouTube, look up Coffeezilla and his yeah. investigation into Logan Paul and CryptoZoo. The guy's he an absolute piece of shit. He still has not made it good yet. Yeah. yeah, and I've got something um, to say about his fucking drink soon too. <laughs> yeah, it's putrid. Now, the other thing he said, which I agree with, is rug pulls and shit coins. Mm-hmm. They're bad, and they should be regulated. Yeah. So I, I, I hate regulation, right? I would mm. rather there be no regulation. Mm. And let's just, you know... But I get that in the frameworks of a of a society i guess if you want some of the weaklings to be able to make it through this world you need to provide some guardrails Mm. but the fact that the sec has not put any thought not one statement at all about stopping rug pulls now if people ask me what's a rug pull a rug pull is where where like a logan paul goes and tells everyone go and buy this thing it's great i've built it it's awesome you pile up all this money then you pull the product you keep all the cash okay it's called rug pull Cryptos have had more rug pulls than they have had proper products, Mm -hmm. all right? So it's not a good track record. Yeah. The SEC has never once tried to address that. Not one part of their policy is trying to address that. Now, Bitcoin, for example, cannot be rug pulled. That's right. Because it's decentralized. There's too many miners. It's the most sophisticated computer system, the most secure computer system in the entire world. It can't be done. Yeah, no one controls it, and it's a finite resource. The fact that he can just come out and say, crypto's a Ponzi, or crypto's a massive rug pull, yes, aspects of it are, mm. for sure. Has he, ever yes. looked, has he ever looked into the American dollar? <laughs> well, yeah. If you, uh, uh, There was this meme that showed, it showed a stat of like how you should critique a new crypto project. Mm. How many people are on the team? how many people have uh, power over it or like uh, what its distribution is, mm-hmm. what it does, 
what the supply is um and he he had one he's like this is obviously a shit coin but and it was then it, yeah, unveil it and that was the us dollar <laughs> <laughs> like the US dollar is one of the biggest shit coins ever. Yeah. We just don't realize it yet. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at, I mean, you can throw the Australian dollar in the same boat. Like you guys all have your own dollars and you think they're worth a dollar. But look at the inflation crisis we're going through. Why are we going through an inflation crisis? Well, because our government decided to print and borrow shitloads more money, which yeah. devalued the our shit coins. Which you have to do to reduce the uh, payments on your debt. Yeah. So, anyway, so I don't. I'm not going to call him out anymore. Uh, he he got eviscerated on on like an economics show, right? Uh, like on, on the news, they mm-hmm. pumped him. And the, the, this guy it was such a class act. I'd sh- I would show it if it wasn't so like tech- technical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This guy just basically lets. Him, he's like, oh, what do you think about it? This old bloke, and the old bloke just goes like, bang, 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 bang. And he's just sitting there like, oh, fuck, that's all Just in the headlights. I wasn't yeah, ready yeah. for that. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, interesting. Um, all right, let's move on. I just got a couple of things I wanted to briefly mention about uh, online censorship because the Missouri versus Biden administration case has literally just kicked off in America. And... This is essentially, uh, so Missouri being a Republican state, it is the state suing the government over the censoring of um, conservative voices online, specifically through social media. So can I just pause for real quick? Yeah. Just a side note. If you are a Democrat in America, I would be furious that more Republican policy has made it through under Biden than was ever under Republicans. Mm. Just something to keep, you know, keep in yeah. mind. Especially when you consider all the things that Biden said he was going to do pre-election, he hasn't done. He's just done a whole bunch of other shit at the same time. Yeah, and let stuff happen that he didn't want. So yeah, anyway. Yeah. So there's just some tweets here from the attorney, uh, the attorney general Andrew Bailey. Uh, and I'm just going to read them out because it's fairly short, but it just gives you a bit of some updates. So it says, Today's oral argument in Missouri versus Biden proved what we've known all along. The Biden administration has shamelessly and relentlessly coerced and colluded with social media platforms to censor free speech. Some highlights from the hearing. Biden's lawyer seriously insinuated that COVID caused a lot in the world to change and thus government censorship is permissible. Biden's lawyer also said that Americans have not been harmed by the vast censorship enterprise emanating from the Biden White House. Every American who has had a post removed or deplatformed would beg to differ. And even us, uh, we fall into that boat. I think our audience would be a lot larger for our podcast and our social media channels if our post didn't get censored, shadow banned, and our account almost removed from YouTube. Yep. Uh, Biden's lawyer asserted that they have never once threatened social media companies into censoring free speech. He must be suffering from memory loss. Here's a recap. Uh, Joe Biden told reporters that, in quotes, Facebook is killing people, end quote, because they originally refused to silence truthful information about the COVID vaccine. Jen Psaki spouted from the White House podium that social media companies would lose their Section 230 immunity if they didn't work with the feds to, to remove disfavored speech. White House Director Rob Flaherty told Twitter that, in quotes, if your product is appending misinformation to our tweets, that seems like a pretty fundamental issue, end quote. 
Flaherty used the F word to convey his disgust to social media companies that Biden's Instagram account wasn't gaining followers after Meta's algorithm identified it as a spreader of vaccine misinformation. Hmm. Uh, Quickly after these interactions, the social media company's resistance to censor quickly crumbled. Uh, Back to highlights of the hearing. One of the judges noted that the exchanges between the feds and the social media companies include, in quotes, veiled and not so veiled quets, end quote, as the government strong arms the tech companies into censoring speech. Another judge called out Biden's lawyer noting that, in quotes, you talk about these meetings, uh, in brackets, between the feds and the social media companies, in bracket, as if they're friendly. The judge also pointed out that when the federal government says jump, social media companies merely say hi, how, uh, how high, uh, seemingly due to the immense pressure to censor American speech. The same judge then asked Biden's lawyer if hypothetically it matters if the federal government knowingly, sorry, if the federal government knowingly censors true speech if it disagrees with the government's narrative, i.e., COVID nineteen. The government, un- yeah, the government unabashedly said no. Uh, today's hearing was further proof that Joe Biden has zero respect for the Constitution, and then just goes on to talk about how Missouri is fighting back. Would you see Schellenberger also put up a that he's found some emails that talked about the reason why Meta was so keen on serving whatever the White House told them to do was to help them with a billion dollar data transfer deal between EU and America. Yeah, yeah. Um, I remember seeing it. I, th- I can't remember the specifics of it, but it was. I don't. I don't remember if it was specifically a money thing, but it was. There was a data transfer agreement that Meta needed uh, to go through for, to basically keep trading in the EU, and they needed the American government's help to make sure that deal went through in the EU. So they were forced to sort of, you know, yeah, it's worth a billion dollars. So. Back. Because um, uh, the EU is really trying to cut down on data, the basically the their people's data being used by monetized by other companies without yeah. any benefit to them. Yeah, and um, yeah, they reckon it was worth over a billion dollars, and it was it's literally referenced in these emails, mm. the internal emails at Facebook. So yeah, look, it. I don't know how many times you have to say it, but people seem to. See, people seem to have been really sold on the fact that, like, to fear, you know, in quotes, misinformation. Yeah. Like, no information is, like, more information is better. Absolutely. Like, this, throw it all out there. But the fact, mm. and, and have, like, what do we have to do to show people that you lied to? You're already lied That's to. Right. And then, they're going to decide that yep. they decide what's, what's true and what's not? Like, yep. how's that? And that's why you need to you need to get on and make a submission to the um, about the mis and disinformation bill. Like I said, link in the bio. You've got until the twentieth of August. Because at the end of the day, the government that lied consistently during the pandemic, because it's the most recent example of all of this, is literally so they the only lesson they learnt from the pandemic was that. Uh, the loophole that they were using to get free speech censored online, which was alerting the social media companies that specific posts may violate their terms and conditions, uh, that wasn't going to work 100% of the time for them because the social media companies were able to say, no, this doesn't violate our policies and push back. So now what this bill seeks to do 
is to empower the government to fine these companies hundreds of thousands of dollars a day if they don't think they're doing a good enough job at uh, censoring uh, harmful mis- and disinformation. So why would you give... It's literally the thing of the fox guarding the hen house. It's that old saying. Like, you're letting the fox guard the hen house. You're letting the government who lied to you already, who we know lied to us, guard, like, decide what is the truth and what is misinformation. That is the most dangerous thing that I can think of. Yeah. And the, the, the Americans talk about this all the time. Uh, there, is a, there is a reason why the Founding Fathers of America made freedom of speech the First Amendment. Yeah. Because it's the most important. It is, it is fundamental to the bedrock of a democracy. It's for us to be able to share ideas and have open, honest, transparent debates and figure it out as a people which is the right way forward and which is the wrong way forward. If you let the government decide, you know, what the truth is, like, it, we've spoken about Orwell a million times and the whole concept in Orwell of the government bringing in Newspeak, the new language... The whole point of Newspeak was to remove the majority of words from the from the English language. Overreading is a disease. Yeah, 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 exactly. But uh, if you remove all of these words from the English language, and the way that Newspeak worked was instead of having two conflicting words like light and dark, you would remove one of those words, and then you would uh, add un to the beginning of the word you left to make it the opposite. So you would have unlight, and you would remove dark. So you can only have light or unlight. So then over time, as you remove more and more and more and more and more words from the language, we can only think in terms of the language that we have um, available to us. So the more words you remove from the language, you can't even have thoughts because those words don't even exist in your mind. So that's why they tried to so... um, you know, the, the censorship ramped up so hard to remove words like ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine from the from society during COVID. Because they, they still need, censor it on YouTube. They do. They do. They needed those words to be forgotten by everyone. Mm. Because, yeah, and we know all the reasons why. To get the emergency use of, uh, of uh, approval in America, there needed to be no other relevant treatment that currently treats the disease. So they literally participated in an Orwellian censorship campaign to remove those words from your brain so you could not even think in terms of them. So pharmaceutical companies and the US government, via their partnership with Moderna, could continue to profiteer off your suffering. So get on, have your say. Do it now, participate in democracy. I've done that part. I've I've put my submission in. I haven't donated, but I will donate to I donated to Dr. Melissa McCann. Get that class action. Go and watch that video. It is yeah. like it's so well done. Um, mm-hmm. She's doing great work, and and you know I, I I'm seeing a victory. Like it's the best punt I think you're ever going to make. Yeah, I agree. And on that note, one last thing to mention before we go. This is going to be another heads up for something else. You're probably going to have to have your say on shortly. Um, Senator Ralph Babette, uh, uh, United Australia Party Senator, I think from Victoria. He. Um, he put up a bill, I think it was yesterday, which passed today. Uh, so it says, breaking news. The United Australia Party vaccine indemnity bill has been debated in the Senate and has successfully been referred to committee. This means that the bill will now go through proper scrutiny and the public will get to make submissions and have their say. So when I get mm. the link, I'll post that. Yep. 
The bill seeks to prevent the Commonwealth from granting future indemnity to Big Pharma in relation to the supply and use of vaccines. At the moment, if a person is injured after receiving a COVID-19 vaccination, then the liability for that injury rests with the Australian taxpayer. The vaccine companies make all the profit but share none of the risk. This is a huge development and means that the issue of indemnity, in brackets, writing blank checks on behalf of taxpayer to Big Pharma, uh, will receive the detailed analysis it deserves. And I want to give him a bit of credit for this too, because I saw he posted up a video of him. So after the the um, bill had been uh, approved, essentially approved, read. like read and, and voted on and had passed, he actually made an amendment to it to force the bill itself to undergo, um, uh, what's it called? can't remember the, um, uh, the word will come to me. But anyway, basically, give the bill time for people to be properly informed, do proper research, um, and have public submissions before the bill to goes dropping, to a vote. As opposed to dropping it on the lap on the at five o'clock on Friday night before and, going and through on Monday and expecting the whole yeah. Senate to vote on it and probably yeah. vote in favour for it because they want to go home for the weekend. Exactly. So yeah. to his credit, he actually wants to, there to be proper public consultation before uh, they yeah. they put this bill to a vote. So look, um, bravo to Senator Babette. Yeah. I think that some of those guys who have been fighting the good fight in politics, so Babette, Jared Rennick, Alex Antich, Malcolm Roberts, like those guys are starting to have a lot of wins. The yeah. next big win we really, really need to see is Dr. Melissa McCann and this vaccine yeah. class action. So please, guys... If you've got a couple of bucks to spend, and again, you don't have to donate fifty, a hundred dollars. Like what she's literally said is, if we can get four hundred thousand people to donate a dollar, we're there. Like, uh, and any of you listeners out there who maybe had work constraints on you, if you've got a couple of emails, this might help you. Yeah, absolutely, guys. So please get on supporter, uh, and hopefully we'll get some more updates uh, in the coming weeks on on that case. Cool. All, right, All right, I'm gonna go. Thanks for joining us, guys. We'll see you next week. Bye.